Podcast with your host, Jason Holman. I like, I like that one a lot. <laughs> I need to make it more remote. I think there's like there's supposedly like an app for that thing, but I don't know how it works. There's an app for everything. I think my voice is a little bit louder than yours. That's so do, do I need to move it closer? Or Probably. Is it, is it just not hot enough. <gasps> there it goes. <laughs> oh, I was going to reiterate because I didn't know if you heard me earlier that I wish there was some sort of a cough button. Have you ever seen, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a cough button. Like if you need to clear your throat or cough, you just. Yeah, I don't think they do that. I mean, you still hear it in this room. Yeah. This room has got no acoustic value at all. I suppose. We need to go get a whole bunch of egg crate and just line the walls with the egg crate. In my living room? Yep. No, I'm going to put those in the wall in, uh, in in the studio that I'm building. I think Karen would love it. Oh, yeah. She could put her eggs in it. She have all her eggs in one basket. I don't, it's, not, it's not the same egg crate I was talking about. No. <laughs> but I don't. There's the rim shot. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that is some corny ass shit. I like it though. Yep. James is a Prince Albert. He that does. is the weirdest thing in the world to me. He does. Or one of them. He does. Why would anybody want to do that? Um, I don't know, because when I think about uh, the process of, of getting that done. You can't do it flaccid. It, you know that, right? I did not know that. I talked to, so the guy that tattoos me evidently has one. Okay. So evidently, he, he said that uh, you could feel it pop through. Stop. Yeah, Stop. and he said you can't do it. You can't be flaccid when you do it. Stop. What I was just about to say before you <laughs> said that was when I think about the process of doing that, I I literally feel pain in my junk. Yeah, well, thinking yeah, I about can, it, I like, can't. Like you get like that. Um, like when I'm watching Tosh Point and they show somebody like wreck on a skateboard or wreck on a BMX bike. Do you feel pain too? I get that. Uh, I get, I, like it's almost yes. like a. It transferred. It, it's almost like it pulls it back out of my memory bank yes. from when I used to wreck. When was the last time you wrecked anything, like hard? Um, two thousand, two thousand nine. Uh, I was uh, working at a. I was in an office tower in Coconut Grove, which is a little suburb of Miami, and I had a two thousand four Road King Police. And I was leaving the office building. I was going to make a left turn, left hand turn uh, at a red light. It was green, of course. And I went, and there was no traffic anywhere at any at, at any of the intersection. And this older woman in front of me just slams on her brakes in the middle of her left hand turn. I was already in the left. I hit the front brake, dumped it. I was, I, I guess I was going about twenty five. That's that's pretty fast. It hurt. It it was not it was not comfortable. It was not comfortable. I uh, <laughs> I've forgotten how bad it hurt to wreck something, mm-hmm. and so I'm. I can tell you like the last two things I wrecked, okay, that hurt. The year I got married, ninety four, I had a three wheeler, a Honda two hundred S, with no rear suspension, just balloon tires, and then what may as well be no front suspension either. 
and I was riding through the woods with my buddy. He had a uh, Yamaha YZ125, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I guess I forgot that a three-wheeler is wider in the back than it is in the front, and I went in between two trees that the front fit through, but the back didn't. <laughs> so it caught the three-wheeler in between those two those two trees and flung me off, and I just remember instantly it was already hot. It was like... It was after Memorial Day, so it was it was actually in August, so it was after Fourth of July too. It was hot in Michigan up north, and I remember laying shirtless with motocross pants on, motocross gloves, and a motocross helmet, lying shirtless in the trail, writhing in pain. And I remember it being way too hot to feel that kind of pain. Like that, that's one of the things I remember, like the visceral response of being hot when I got hurt like your body temperature elevating somehow from the inside out and the only reason i'm telling you that is because when i moved down here in 2010 i started teaching high school in 2010 and 2011 i got invited to go to river ranch not river ranch no rancho in like the pasco polk county border Mm -hmm. area there Mm -hmm. and if you don't know what ranch do you know what rancho is i have not a clue okay so rancho was a housing development that was all private deeded properties and it went belly up. So there were certain people who had deeds to this place. Okay. No houses were ever built, but it's this giant piece of property with unimproved roads and streams and rivers and all kinds of shit in there. And so my buddy was like, Hey, let's go. I got, you know, a couple four wheelers. Let's go out and go ride the four wheelers. We'll have a good time, blah, blah, blah. And there's monster trucks out there and there's mud trucks out there and there's four wheelers and dirt bikes and, side-by-sides and golf carts that are converted. I mean, just a bunch of rednecks just getting as drunk as they can driving things. And we were on, we are actually on our way home. We had, we'd been riding all day and I have this tendency to any vehicle like that, like that, that I've ever had or ridden. I have a tendency to wreck it somehow. And I'm driving through this giant mud puddle and uh, going as fast as that four-wheeler will go. And I didn't think about the fact that these big mud trucks that are driving around in there too, well, when they go across that mud hole... There's cross ruts. There's cross ruts. (laughs) Well, I caught one of them cross ruts. And as fast as I could think about, oh, shit, that four-wheeler was laying on top of me. And I was took everything I had. I jump up and I'm trying to pick it up and flip it back over and the adrenaline comes in and I'm like freaking out. And I'm like, I said, I'm getting hot again. Mm. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like what is going on? My buddy's there. And he's, you know, and of course I wrecked his fucking four wheeler. And, uh, he's like, Hey man, he goes, uh, I think we need to take it, but take it down a notch or two. Like maybe not be so, and I was like, you know, at this point, this is 2011. So I wasn't even 40 yet. And I was in so much pain, and I just looked at him. I said, dude, I think we need, just need to go home. <laughs> yeah. And so we go back to the truck, and I'm covered in mud, and not only from mudding all day, but from the little accident that just happened. And all I did was, like, tweak one of his crash bars or something. It wasn't big. And I get back to the truck, 
And I'm sitting there, and there's a bunch of people coming in and out, in and out. And this lady walks up to me, and she goes, hey, sweetheart. She goes, was that you that just wrecked back there? I said, yes, ma'am. And she goes, are you in pain? And I go, yes, ma'am. She goes, do you want to hide your cow down? I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she went over to her fucking truck and got a hydro coat down and gave it to me. I took that. To be clear, this was Polk County. Oh, well, on the border, oh. yeah. <laughs> Polk, Pasco, doesn't really matter, right? And so I, uh, we, drive, we drive back to my buddy's house. It was about 25 minutes back to my buddy's house, and it was a 30-minute motorcycle ride mm -hmm. with me, uh, me by myself riding back to the house. And I mean to tell you, dude, I hadn't been in that much pain in so long, so I get home, and Karen looks at me, and she's like, what happened to you? And I'm like, don't ask. I go strip all my clothes off, and I had, when I went over the handlebars, my groin had caught the handlebars on both sides. So I was purple mm. from my belly, just below my belly button, down both of my legs, all the way around the backside of my perineum was all purple from contusions. That's the word of the day, folks, perineum. Word of perineum, the day. Or Google it. Um, there so you go, folks. You heard it here taint? first. It's a taint. It's a taint, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> oh, God. I wish that Google was a little closer. Yeah. That would come in handy. I think it picked it up, though. Oh, probably. Um, anyway, if you didn't hear it, the perineum is the area between the vulva and the anus or the scrotum and the anus, also known as the taint. <laughs> <laughs> and I tore my rotator cuff at the same time, and it still ripped apart. Pretty serious damage. I just haven't got it fixed. I'm waiting until I get older. <laughs> So I can convalesce on the couch and no one, no one fucking ex expect me to do too much. I mean, the older you get, though, the longer it takes to heal. Yeah, well, that was yeah. the two. So that's the last two things I wrecked. I mean, like where I wrecked. I've dumped things or had things fall on me or whatever, or gotten hurt. But wrecking those two things was that was a significant amount of pain. You, you had a uh, you had a, a perineum incident, didn't you? When you lived with Ryan, that put you in the hospital. <laughs> That wasn't my taint. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. No, no, that's what the that surgeon I was talking about. I've been telling you. Thought. I've been telling that story for no. six years that you ripped your taint. <laughs> <laughs> so that that story was that that story is stupid. Ryan was dating this girl, and she was over at the house, and he was like, "Hey, let's play a." Uh, I, I guess it was a practical joke. <laughs> so he he got a ketchup bottle out of the refrigerator, <laughs> and I was, like, laying in the floor. I laid down on the floor. It's a tile floor, and it wasn't like your tile here. It was slick. Right. Slick. I, I, guess, I know what you're talking like about. Like a ceramic. Like a, like anyway, a marble. I guess it could have been marble. Anyway, so I'm laying in the floor, and he puts his ketchup around me, and he starts running. She was smoking on the back patio, and he runs to the back patio sliding door, it was like, Cam is falling down. He's bleeding. There's blood everywhere. And she freaks out. And she runs inside to look at me. And I just couldn't help but laugh. So she's like, you idiots. She's all mad about it. And I get up. And uh, before I got up, I was like, hey, wipe this ketchup up because it's slick. I touched it with my finger and it was like, you know, real oily. So they, they got it. They wiped it up. But when I stood up, I guess it wasn't wiped up good enough because, man, <laughs> at, at the time, I uh, – so at the time, I was like 520 pounds, and my big ass did the full splits on that kitchen floor, nutsack on the ground. 
And when it happened, I was in shock, of course. <laughs> I was in shock that my body would allow that to happen. <laughs> and so after the shock, I was like, wow, I can do the splits, you know? Well, the like next fucking rerun. Yeah, dude. So the next, but the next couple of days, I started getting this terrible pain in my groin area. Anyway, long story short, I had burst an artery, and I was like leaking, pulling blood inside my body, and that's that's what happened. But no, it wasn't the taint. Golly! <laughs> Apparently, I can't do the splits. So <laughs> we'll take that out and post it. You know, this is the second time we podcasted, and I never, I lost the first one. I don't know. I have no idea where it's at. I'm glad you didn't find it. Because the other day I was thinking about that first podcast. That might have been one of the first ones you ever did. Uh, it definitely was pretty close to it, if not the first. And were we talking to Corey? I'm pretty sure it was Corey. Were you there when we... That was when Corey was driving down the road with one of his dudes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Corey. But the reason why I'm glad you didn't find it is because... I remember making some, we were talking about big wheel baggers because that's when they were starting to get super hot. And I remember making some pretty harsh comments about them. And I wish I hadn't have said those things because, you know, Corey was killing it. And so basically, I was, Corey still is. Oh, I mean, I, oh, I know. I'm not saying it's not. But I'm saying like the big wheel bagger thing yeah, is still going still on. Yeah, I mean, that's doing. not, it's not over with. It's just, I think I've made enough disparaging comments about it that people won't bring them to me. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, whatever. That's the kind of customers I don't want, anyways. That are the people that are gonna get their feelings hurt over something silly, silly and shitty like that. Right. You know. Right. I mean, I. <clears throat> whatever. We can get it. We can go into that if you want to go into that. No. As far as what I'm saying is, no. I think I did as good a work on that as I've done on anything else. I, I the the baggers I saw come out of your shop were fantastic. I mean. I was if I'm remembering right, was the first one was that Kevin's bike? Was that really the first one that Kevin was the first one I did? Yeah, and see, I was there for that. That's when I was I was I, was, I worked for you. I was involved in that one a little bit. We did Kevin's, and then from Kevin's we got Kyle's. Yep. Kyle's we did. Um, Kyle's was the first one that we did everything on. Yeah, that didn't. The only thing that went anywhere for was the audio. But he had, that's because he had, um, and I'm by no means my an audio guy. And the audio system that's in Kyle's bike, I still, in every audio competition I've ever been to, I've heard louder bikes, but not as clear as his. Mm -hmm. And I've heard clearer bikes, but not as loud as his. I've never heard of an audio system that was even close to his. And, hey, man, it is what it is. That The people who did that, um, that was done by a place called Auto Styles out in Clearwater. And those dudes... They are, in my opinion, that's the best audio system I've ever heard or seen. I mean, I you know, not one thing did I go in there and me being um, kind of a dick about wiring and <clears throat> my standards of what I think is acceptable and that I learned a lot just looking at how they installed that because they did a fantastic job on that bike. I know you like music just like I do, but do you get into the... Uh to the audio competition stuff? I don't. Um, I don't go to those. I've heard, I've been to a couple of them just by, by virtue of being in the room already. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to have one for the Wheels of Steel because I know it is popular. Sure. 
the thing I the thing I don't like about them is or I don't get into it because I don't know it. Does that make any sense? Like, sure. I don't understand the impotence of, or I think that's what it is between like a two ohm, a four ohm, a six ohm, an eight ohm. I don't know what that means. Um, and I know there's technology out now. Like, there's this argument between uh, having a, a standard, whatever. I don't know if it's a rare earth magnet or whatever the standard magnet is that's, yep. that's real heavy. <clears throat> yep. And then now, like all the Rockford phosphate stuff is neodymium magnets, and they're super light. But I don't understand how that the sound waves make a speaker work and all that stuff. And so when I when I say that I don't, it's not that I don't care. It's that there's only there's only so much room in my brain for for things. And uh, I'm more of an engine guy and a trans guy. And I'll be honest with you, there's still stuff I want to learn there. So I'm not focused on something else. You know, we're going to start doing audio systems, but that's because Shannon is factory certified from a couple different manufacturers on building audio systems and doing correct wiring and uh that was something that him and shane went back and forth and back and forth on and when i had shane and shannon and believe it or not more so shane even though uh shannon's probably got more credentials there shane was really interested in taking that on we, he, he was the driving force behind behind us getting um whatever kind of certification or authentication that we needed <clears throat> from different companies and you know he he went after that and you know when he passed away I kind of that was just one of the things that i don't know what's good i don't know what's bad i mean i know names i know rockford fosgate i know the way i look at it is if you're going to buy something let's say a rockford fosgate i think you're going to get uh not pro audio quality necessarily mm-hmm. but you're going to get a product that they are that's going to last and going to do what the customer wants it to do. I think it's like building a race motor. I equate an audio system to a race engine. Like I can build you a race engine that will make a lot of power and a lot of torque, but it's it's not going to last forever. It's I, funny you say that about Rockford Fosgate because that's what I have in my bike in the Big Boy FXR. It's, it's in your truck too. Is it? The Titan? Your Titan has a factory Rockford Fosgate. Because I talked to the factory Rockford Fosgate at uh, Rep when I was in Texas oh, I didn't know week that. four last. But yeah, that's all Rockford in your truck. Anyway, that's why I put it in the Big Boy FXR because uh, I know nothing about audio. Nothing. You know way more than me just from what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know shit. When I was buying audio for that bike, I was like, I, I just want to make sure I can hear it over 80. I mean... Because right. when, when I get up to highway speed, I, I I like to listen to music. I know some guys are like, oh, I want to hear the roar of the engine, and uh, I want to hear. I the do shift. too. I, I mean, I do. I'm that to kind a of point. Guy. To a point, I agree. But uh, it's mainly when I'm by myself. Like when I come in, if the few times I've ridden from Jacksonville to here, it's about you know three three and a half hour ride. Right. I want music. No, I, I I have no problem with that. What do you think about uh, communicators? I hate them. I I don't like them. I had one. Um, I was just gonna. I was just gonna tell you we have we're, we picked up a, a sponsor <laughs> for the podcast. And it's it's a communicator device, so I guess we'll wait to the next episode for them to sponsor that one. <laughs> you you forgot to hit the button. The <laughs> here's the deal with the communicator. Okay. So I want to I want to tell you a funny story from my childhood. So okay. my 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 father, uh, he always was a Goldwing guy, until uh, I, I would say until he was almost fifty, 
he was into gold wings in the eighties. He had a couple different gold wing Aspen Cades. Um, and then in the late nineties, he got another, uh, you know, one of the big touring gold wings anyway. So growing up, uh, he, I was running the back, uh, of his bike when we go on long trips, he would, he would right. let me go and I rode on the back and he had these, uh, three quarter helmets with the microphones, the, you know, constant intercom communication, CB radio to talk to the other guys. Cause all his buddies had gold wings too. Sure. But what was so funny, the, probably the reason why I don't like him now is uh, <clears throat> three-quarter helmet. You got a visor on the front, okay, sun visor. And you got the microphone coming out. It's right here in your face. And it never failed. That on a long trip, I would fall asleep. And when I'd fall asleep, your head wasn't automatically do it. goes forward because your, your head, you know, it's heavy. So my head would go forward, and everybody that was in the, in the I'm going to call it a pack, everybody that was in the pack knew when I had fallen asleep because they would hear, you know, real loud. It was the front of my helmet hitting the back of his helmet and the microphone picking it up and spreading it to, you know, all 10 or 12 riders. Hilarious. So when I eventually started, uh, well, when I met my wife and I was talking to her about, you know, making sure she was okay with the motorcycle thing and all that, she was like, well, um, can we have some sort of, can, can, can we talk? Can we communicate like a CB radio? No, I don't really want to do that. You know, I, when I'm riding, and I want, I'd like for you to be there, but I don't, I don't want to hear you talk. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy come in one time. This is years and years ago. He was like, oh, I'm looking for a communicating advice. Da, 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 da. I want to be able to talk to my wife. I'm like, why? <laughs> He's like, what? And I go, well, that's the one place you can go on the planet where you have a legitimate reason to not hear somebody yapping in your ear about something. And the deal he, is it's going to be about everything you pass. Oh, did you see that? Look at that. Hey, Coles is having a sale. <clears throat> <laughs> We're on a motorcycle trip. I just assumed that, uh, I just honestly assumed that you, that would be something that you would be into. No. Hmm. Okay. If, I, if I'm on a long trip with you, I, I, I'll talk to you at a gas station. I don't. You know what I mean? I get. I agree. I, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that. Jerk. Um, <laughs> so, no. Did I ever tell you the story of um, my helmet to helmet communication story? No. So, this is uh, year 2003. So I bought my first Harley uh, this time of the year. Almost, I could probably pull the find the paperwork and, and look at it. It was like 2003 February. March, right in that area. And uh, I bought a little Sportster. My salesman was Justin Johnson at uh, Motor City Harley-Davidson. Nice guy. I'm still friends with him today. And <clears throat> actually, that Harley was cool. I, it was an 03, so it had the little 100th anniversary insignia on the block and everything. It was, it was a cool bike. But anyway, it was too small. Karen and I rode that all over the state of Michigan, and we rode it from Michigan to Buffalo, New York to Niagara Falls and back to Michigan in one weekend. And it was, we put, I put my time in on a bike like that for miles wise. I, I rode a lot when I first got into motorcycling before I did it for a career. <clears throat> and we were, uh, I'm trying to think of the timeline here. So it was getting to be fall and the internet was much different in 2003 than it is now. I mean, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was no MySpace, any of that stuff. So you were you either on a chat room, you were either on a website, or you were on eBay, right, to find stuff for sale. <clears throat> 
And so I kept looking eBay, eBay, and the cycle trader had kind of waned a little bit. Like, do you remember the old auto traders and cycle traders? Oh, yeah. That was how you bought and sold anything back yeah. then. Well, so I found somebody up in Oscoda, Michigan with a 1991 FLHS, which was a precursor to the Road King. Yep. No fairing, but it had a windshield. Had this really, this really weird instrument cluster that looked like it was out of a fucking car. <laughs> it was in the, the part of the, in the nacelle. It was a, it was a weird bike. Anyway, they wanted 10000 for it. And back then, $10,000 for a used Harley that was a big twin was, that was a fucking, that was a good deal. Yeah. I mean, that bike today would probably, I wouldn't give 2500 for it. Yeah. In the condition it was in. I just, and it passed on probably a hundred of them. Sure. In in that same condition I paid ten grand for. Well, so anyway, so <clears throat> I had, uh, I'd found the bike up in Osco to Michigan. We lived in Canton, Michigan, which is just outside of Detroit, and my wife's aunt, I was talking to my wife's aunt, and she's like, well, what do you, you know, what's, you're going to get a new bike, blah, 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 we're talking. She's like, yeah, or I told her, yeah, and she's like, you guys should all, shit, Uncle Tim, <laughs> and you guys should all ride your motorcycles up there to get your new bike, and I was like, what? I'm going to get a new motorcycle. She goes, I know, wouldn't it be great if you guys all rode your motorcycles up north? To go get your new motorcycle, I go. How am I? What are you? What are you talking? (laughs) Do you know how this works? You know. And I said, I can't go up there. I would have to drive my car. I said, and then my dad would have to follow me. It would just be. It wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Well, no, just ride on the back of your dad's bike. I'm like, I'm not riding on the back of my dad's bike. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. She's like, No one will know. It's not a big deal. You just ride up there in the back of your dad's bike. You guys all go up there. You get your new motorcycle, and then you just ride back. Oh, so I I was telling my dad, and he's like, yeah, why not? So everybody, we agreed that we were going to do that. So we are going to leave. We were going to make it a day trip. We were going to leave early in the morning on Saturday. We were going to ride up, get the new motorcycle, ride from there over to uh, my wife's dad's cabin yep which is about a mm, 40 minutes from Moscota, if that <clears throat> we're talking northern michigan then. northern michigan yeah. yeah way up north Moscota used to have an old air base back i think world war ii vietnam korea somewhere around there but it's not open anymore actually they filmed part of one of the diehard movies there or something mm. um so anyway we we go get the motorcycle i pay the lady <laughs> we ride it back we go we go to the cabin we have campfire we drink a few beers you know the plan is to get up the next morning we all rode up in a in a group on friday or saturday morning so that we could and then we all just peeled off and went our own way coming yeah. home because we took the long way getting up we took country roads going up and so my dad picks me up and we get the helmets on and we get the helmet to helmet communicator and <laughs> you know and we get about a block from my house he's like did you get the lady's number you got the lady's number, right, and address. I was like, oh, no, I don't. We got to turn around. So he goes to do a U-turn, and all of a sudden, man, he's like, oh, 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 we're, we're going down. That's what I hear in the helmet, right? And all, I said, all of a sudden, I'm like, what? 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 And so the bike slams down on the side. The bike slams down. I hear my dad slam down. I hear him go, ooh, in, in the helmet communicator. And then I land on top of my dad, and I hear, ooh, again. And then he's going, going get up get up get up get up get up you know i can hear you know help me yeah. help. and we're got these curly cords connected to the motorcycle because it's a 2000 ultra 
And so it wasn't cordless, it was corded. And yeah. we're both hooked to the, so anyway, we end up picking the motorcycle up. We both get back on it, both get our shit together, collect our bearings. Karen's still standing in the driveway, sees the whole thing go down. <laughs> As you're going to yeah, get Yeah, she's a new like motorcycle. watching me to leave to go yeah, get a new motorcycle. Uh-huh. I never even thought about that part of it. She would have been like, oh, well, he's going to yeah. crash and die. Yeah. So anyway, we go back. Some guy stops. He goes, is everybody all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. He goes, anybody hurt? I'm like, nope, just our pride. He's like, all right. So we ride up north. It takes like six or eight hours to what would normally be a two, two and a half to three hour drive because yeah. we took all country roads. And my dad has this long ass hair. Well, it's in my face. Like the whole time I'm like, (laughs) 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 and he's like, you know, he, I hear him in the communicator. He's like, you know, your mom normally braids my hair when she's sitting back there. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not braiding. (laughs) I'm already not to butt that. Yeah. I'm already, this is already miserable. (laughs) If I could have sat sideways the rest of that ride, I would have sat sideways. But that was my helmet to helmet communicator story. Fucking, I miss that. I miss that old dude. I have a couple of questions, yeah. and then I have a comment. So okay. The first thing is your first Harley, the Sportster. Yeah. I, I love the 100th anniversary. Um, Paint set? Yeah, but only the black and silver. Did you have a black and silver? Did See, I don't have, like the black and silver. That's my favorite. Or did you have the navy blue and silver? I don't like that. I had all black. Okay. Oh, I forgot about the all black. I, I had the all black with the Harley lo- the logo on the tank. I mean, to be honest with you, it was a perfect fucking motorcycle. For, for, I get it. Like, I love sportsters, but I mean, had the coolest set of risers that have ever come on a factory Harley bike. Had a nice little instrument panel with the speedometer in it. Had factory drag bars. Uh, had a little like Badlander seat on it. Had a tank, you know, a, you know, obviously a sportster tank, but it was not the king sportster tank and not the little tiny peanut tank. It was like a mid size. Yeah. But what's, it had a blonde engine, which I hate black wrinkle finished engines. Uh, the blonde. And, and in- I hate blonde. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. I I think the blonde engine is the best looking engine. Huh. Um, one of the things that I love about that that year bike is all of the engine cases have a little eagle insignia that says one hundred on it. So just any- on the blonde motor? No, only O threes. Well, it's a one year deal. I'm asking because. Uh, dad has uh, a hundredth hundredth anniversary deuce uh, or something, doesn't he? Springer soft tail Springer. Yeah, it'll have that on there. I've never looked at that. Well, he might have a Kiriak and cover on it or something. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. I don't think so. So it's up in the front, uh, below the front cylinder. Okay, it's the coolest thing. I'm gonna look for it. I yeah, they're really neat. Never noticed. So that's like that's on my one. That's like on my list of one of the things I want to have is I want to get a. Uh, Oh three. I prefer a B motor. Mm-hmm. Get a B motor and trans O three and polish, uh, polish it with that little that little insignia. Okay. It's just a, a little kinky little. Uh, you know, I don't know what, what I don't know. It's something I'm hung up on for some some weird reason. But you can get you can get in those engines. They have uh, they have that little. I'm trying to pull it up right now so you can see the the insignia. But everything everybody's showing they're showing the right side of the motor. It's funny how people you know people do that with Harley's is um, they always show the they always show the right side of the Harley engine. Well, it's it, um, 
the left side, to as far as I can recall, has always been referred to as the ugly side. And the right side has always been called the money side. Uh, I've heard it articulated lots of different ways. Aaron Green uh, from Paramount Cycle articulated it the best to me when he said he had the you had the beauty side and the mechanical side. Okay, that's fair. So, but the when you go when you see your dad's bike next, you can see that it's got that little it's got that little logo on it. Here's a picture of it right here. It's right it's right there under the, the front cylinder. Okay, yeah. But and it's it's a unique it's a unique logo too. <clears throat> but yeah man is it fair to say that um oh I, I had the word then i just lost it uh, okay is it fair to say that that your wife karen is a concerned person meaning a lot of things concern her is that fair to say <laughs> i think that's probably it's funny if i was saying that it would be a very passive aggressive I don't, oh, I don't, I don't mean it that way. No, all. I know you don't, but yeah, Karen is. The reason why I say that is because I'm shocked that <clears throat> after seeing you guys go down on your dad's Ultra, that she still allowed you to go continue the purchase of the new bike. <laughs> because if my wife, I hope, <clears throat> I pray, nay, I pray <laughs> that my wife never sees me have an accident because my riding days will be over. Pastor Cam and Deacon Jay. She will not allow it. Really? She, oh, God. If she saw me actually go down, it doesn't matter if I was going five miles an hour. If she saw me go down, it, my riding days would be over. She would forbid it. I, uh, I, my wife doesn't forbid me to do much. Um, she, it's not that she knows better. Is that it? She knows. I mean, she doesn't want me to be unhappy. Right. But I grew up in a motorcycle household. Yeah. It's it. You know, she. I will tell you right now that she was very concerned. Uh, Amanda recently purchased her first motorcycle, not to even to, not even to ride. She purchased it as, um, as an investment. She gonna flip it. That's well, yeah, yeah. That's that's the plan. We'll see what she ends up doing, but I think she'll keep it. I think John wants it. <laughs> um, but yeah, Karen's very concerned about that stuff. Yeah, Karen doesn't. Uh, but Karen would never. She knows that 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 would be. There's deal breakers on both sides for everybody. Everybody's got a deal breaker, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's everybody's got that one thing that you can't push them. You can't push them too much. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, wrecking's part of riding to some degree. It doesn't mean you should go out and just do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, you know, you don't want to cheat death, uh, even though that's sometimes what you're doing when you're riding anyways. <laughs> what? Have you ever heard uh, the Cat Williams bit about... Do you know that happened right over in Velrico? I, I know. But So you have heard the bit about when he got a motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah, his story is he got the motorcycle and he decided he wanted to ride it. So he had his tour bus uh, follow, follow him. him and his head of security uh, rode a Harley. So, and Cat's on a sport bike, I guess. So the security guy <clears throat> and Cat are riding in front of this big tour bus, tour bus full of party people. He has an entourage. Sure. And he goes down. <laughs> You have to see him act it out. I have. It's hysterical. Yeah. But talking about going in circles on the ground is just hilarious. And his, uh, you're, you're, you, you might cut this out in post, I don't know, but the funniest thing about the whole thing is his head security looks at him and he says, nigga, if you ride, you're going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and that just 
to this day, crap, because every every old quote unquote biker dude that I ever talked to when I first started riding there said, you know, there's only two kinds of riders. There's one that have been down, the ones that are gonna go down. You know? And I'm like, dude, yeah. that voice is funny. <laughs> That's like a radio voice. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You're gonna go down or you've been down. Was it radio or Beetlejuice? I don't know. Right? <clears throat> no, um she doesn't you know, I mean I think if I I think if I had a significant motorcycle crash or some kind of thing like that she would be uh she she voices her opinion definitely but she knows that i wear a helmet and you know she knows i don't want to get hurt yeah that's part of it i don't want to get hurt i don't want to go down i don't want to be in pain but you know i'm not one of these guys and there's guys out there and i'm not i'm not faulting them i'm not talking shit about them these guys they they go hard and that's what they do, and they're they're into riding more than anything in the world, and that's what they're going to do. And you know, hell or high water, they're they're going to ride as much as possible, and God love them for doing it. It's just I have too many other things going on. It would be very selfish of me to put myself in a position where I'm recklessly riding around and one step shy of trying to get hurt. You know what I mean? There's too many people that rely on me. <clears throat> I have definitely tamed since marriage. I, you know, before I I rode a lot. Well, actually, there was three years that I didn't even have. I was say you didn't even a, own a car when I knew you. Yeah, I just rode a motorcycle. So, yeah. you know, I rode a whole lot, and now it, I, I kind of feel bad that I don't ride very much. I have found that uh, I enjoy. Um, I don't want to call it designing because that's not planning the project i mean there you're like you being go. the general contractor you of your bike build i mean yes. even though you're not doing all of the work thank you you're you know you're the interior decorator or yes. the exterior decorator you're i enjoy the, putting it together mm-hmm. in my head and then watching it come together and then i enjoy looking at it in my garage i do still ride i love to ride but not nearly like i used to i don't i don't ever want i don't ever want to have to ride right Right. So that's a, that's a big thing for me. Like Karen always gets on me because I say on the podcast all the time that I, I don't get to ride. I don't ride a lot. I'm not a biker. I'm, I do not consider myself a biker. Never have, never will. It's just not, I'm not a biker. There's a biker is somebody who uh, has to ride mm-hmm. like for one reason or another, you're either in a club and that requires you to ride or you don't own a car and that requires you to ride. Yep. That's a biker to me. Sure. Um, and I don't, begrudge anybody or belittle anybody for for being in that situation um there was a point in time in my life there was a point in time in my life where all i wanted to do was ride my motorcycle that's it and what happened in that time of life was because i worked for somebody else i did somebody else's bidding and that prevented me from doing what I wanted to do. Yep. And I can assure you, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I talk about this all the time because I have so many friends that are self-employed. When I really, when I parse it out and realize, when I take, take, a, take a step back and look at my friend, my group of friends, most of us are self-employed. And I do whatever I want whenever I want, with whomever I want, as much as I want or as little as I want, because 
I'm self-employed. Sure. So where I don't have, I'm not a rich person by uh, rich pe- person standards as far as I don't have a, a bank account with a million dollars in it. I have freedom that other people don't have, and it makes me unemployable to some degree. I mean, I can only conform so much. You have to let me do what I'm going to do if you're going to employ me. So um, I don't have to ride to get my rocks off, you know? Yeah. I need X number of hours a day. When I worked, when I sold cars, and I the, the whole first year I, I rode Harleys, um, I think it's fair to say since I was a kid, I was always wanted to be self-employed. Okay. And from that point, um, I was looking for, I was always looking for something that would, that would net me that result that would put me in that category. And I tried lots of different other things and it wasn't until the motorcycle bug actually bit me, uh, that within less than one year, I bought my motorcycle in 03. We opened our motorcycle shop in December of 03. So it was less than a year I opened a motorcycle shop and less than another year from that I left the dealership and I've been full-time. I've been full-time every single day in a motorcycle shop um, since la- <laughs> since the Tuesday after Labor Day in 2004. And the only reason I know that is because we had uh, Shelby's birthday party that year in 2004. She would have been nine years old. Um, Point blank question. Do you still love it? Oh, every minute of it. Even though I even even the things I hate that happen to me, it wouldn't matter if I ran if the things that happen to me that I that make me not like my job from time to time are things that would happen if I had a fucking store that sold pencil erasers. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. It's I love being in business. I hate that <clears throat> that people don't understand the average person even now the people that have just started riding in the last few years and they're spending oodles of cash on their motorcycle and they are all in. There are guys that I see that are on podcasts, guys that I see that are at events, guys that I see pop up on social media when you go back in their feed and look two years ago, they didn't even own a fucking motorcycle and now they're, <laughs> you know, they're the wheelie kings. And yeah. They're riding across the country. That's okay because this changed my life. I mean, my family, not my mom and dad, but my wife and her family, really i didn't i don't think they judged me ever but i think they didn't understand what was happening it was like uh i went from wearing suit and tie to work to swearing i'd never wear another suit and tie again as long as i lived yeah. i went from having zero tattoos to having a couple tattoos to being tattooed on my fucking hand yeah. that that really that really puzzled a lot of people in my wife's family. They didn't sure. understand that. That's a sure. family that does not have tattoos. Yeah. They're very, very conservative about that. And um, even my wife didn't understand. And, you know, and her sister, who I'm very, very close with, they were like, what? You're doing what? You do-. And at first it was the kind of like everybody kind of just kidded me and they prodded me. It was like, oh, well, you know, Jason's a biker now. And and I'm, I wasn't, but um, I definitely changed everything everything in my life it was like i was holding on to all this information i was holding on to all these ideas holding on to all this stuff and never had an outlet for it and then as soon as i got into the bike business it was like boom overnight i'm all in 110 percent. and uh i've found myself in some pretty amazing situations through the course of my motorcycle career already Mm -hmm. i mean things that 
I mean, shit, I've done things that people that have been in this industry for 30 or 40 years have never even thought of doing. And it's only because I think, because I've been so excited about it and willing to try new things. I mean, I've had some pretty amazing experiences. I'll go down. I think I'm going to go down in the history books of, you know, the guy that everybody kind of knew, but didn't know what, you know, like Cody tells everybody all the time, I'm the most known unknown guy on the planet when it comes to the motorcycle stuff. I kind of know everybody and everybody kind of knows me. I can walk up to anybody in there. I can tell they're looking at me like, I know this guy. I don't know where I know this guy from. I don't know if they're, you know, they don't know where they know me from. But I I did that when I was in BMX, though, too. I talked that with uh, Brendan Molesky, the guy that I just did the podcast with, the Detroit firefighter, yep. the guy that's retired. You know, we were walking through my BMX career. And it it's very funny how paralleled my BMX career was with my motorcycle career obviously in a much smaller scale because I was a kid. Yeah. Right. I mean, not everybody could be Eddie Fiola. Uh, I don't even know if you know who Eddie Fiola is, but no, <laughs> but not everybody, you know, you didn't, what I'm getting at is that <clears throat> there was about 20 guys that all got, that were all professional riders that got professional rider money yeah. in the eighties. And it just, it wasn't, the opportunities weren't there like they are now, but, uh, I've turned I've turned this into I mean coming out of nowhere within you know 2 years I was full time in the motorcycle industry and so yeah do I love it I, it's it's in my DNA which it's not but it is you know I mean it's not literally in my DNA but I I'm not doing anything different I mean it's taken over my whole life we moved across the country to do it you know I've had some pretty some pretty substantial things that even I forgot about that I get to do every once in a while I'll go through I'll go through an old computer hard drive or I'll go through an old magazine and see, you know, see a picture of my dad and I and Evan in a, in an ad for a product, Yep. you know, where we give it like a, you know, product endorsement and we're, you know, there it is. There's a, a color photograph of us there saying, you know, we only use Gardner Westcott fasteners. You know what I mean? When you build the best, you use the best. And it was just that kind of shit, you know, that's kind of shit is cool. Yeah. Going back, I want to go back to, you know, you're saying you're like the um, the most well-known unknown guy. Right. Uh, <clears throat> that, I think that that may have been true in past years, but you, you have been published. You, you've done some builds that have been published. Yeah. And I think that this day and time, the social media presence is such a strong factor in being quote unquote known um, and I think that's the only reason why you may be dubbed that term is because maybe you're just not out, out there enough. But, you know, when I was, when we were in Sturgis this past year, uh, I was shocked at, at how many people that, um, I follow on social media and, and I've had communications with, they don't know who I am at all, but I, I was shocked that how many people knew you, I mean, knew you by name, came up, shook your hand, called you by your first name, uh, by the way, your social media is not your first name at all. One is Speed Metal Built, and the other one is Cycle Stop USA. So it's obvious that more people know you than you, or maybe even Cody might think, because I, I witnessed it. So, I, I, well, what I like to tell people is, um, you know, so there's there's we'll we'll, we'll go over, there's ten guys. Okay, let's just pick ten guys: Arlen Ness, 
Dave Perowitz, um, Jesse James, Billy Lane, Russell Mitchell, um, Indian Larry. Um, these are guys that are like my favorite build, like my favorite quote unquote famous builders. Um, so Warren Lane, obviously, who I think is the he's my goat. Uh, Bill Dodge. Um, and I'm thinking of guys, I'm, I'm specifically leaving out anybody that's in my class. So it's like high school, right? Sure. So you have like people who came before you and there's people that were a couple classes ahead of me. Uh, Billy, Jesse, Russell, um, Indian Larry. Uh, those guys were all like pre me, like my class of guys. And then in my class of guys, you're right. I've been published just about as much as anybody in my class. So sure. you pick my class of guys you have. Um, and I'm talking about guys that, that started doing this professionally and are still doing it professionally. So there's uh, Bare Knuckle Paul. Yep. Um, there's Brian at TPJ. There's who I, I don't personally I don't personally know or have a relationship with. There's uh, Hey Brian at TPJ, reach out to him. It's been metal build on Instagram. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Let's do lunch. Um, I can't even like I I can't even think of guys that are that that are you know like I've known John Jessup now for um, I've known who he was for it'll be two years this year because when my dad got sick he reached out to me um before he ever met me he didn't even know that's what it was i put some fucking i put some real blue post up about how you know yeah things weren't going good and i have a tendency to do that and especially when i'm by myself um but what i'm getting at is that there's there ha there isn't opportunity for us anymore uh the same way that there was for other people it's they're same opportunities or same amount of opportunities, but they're different opportunities. Yep. And the cost of admission is way less now than what it was. When Billy got into the business, this was a hard business to get into. You know, this is a very difficult business to get into. You're talking about Billy Lane? Yes. Okay. When Jesse got into this business, it was a very difficult business to get into because <laughs> Missy is like dying over here on the floor. Oh, don't say that. She's snoring. Well, she's, yeah, she's got problems. Um, but anyway, when, when Billy and Jesse started, you know, they both started kind of around the same time, around 99, 98, like, you know, to where they were showing up in the magazines. I know Jesse yeah. had done it before that, but I'm just saying, like, when, when that that class moved up into getting some shine, there's guys that were doing it then that I don't know who the fuck they are now. Go yeah. go get a go get an easy rider from ninety nine or two thousand. I got them in the garage. Go grab one of those and go to the back, right? And look at that. Yeah. You know, there's guys out there. I'll give you a name. Um John Dodson. Do you know who that is? Not a clue. That guy's been in more magazines than I'll ever be in. Because mm -hmm. there was, you know, he was before me. He was yeah. a class or two before me. Gangster Choppers is was his business. Okay. Right? Um, but then there's Eric Gorgeous from Voodoo Choppers. He was a class before me. Um, he started in 99, 98, something like that. And, uh, you know, I started in 03, right? So I really started in 04 because I started December of 03. Yeah. So, and I didn't build a custom bike for almost a whole nother year. I didn't start, you know, you don't just open the doors and start getting business. You got to go out and cultivate it. Yeah. It was, but when I say it's harder back then, 
this is what I mean. Billy Lane didn't have the internet. Billy Lane didn't have Instagram. Yeah. Billy Lane didn't. You had to go take your happy ass to Daytona. You had to load up. You had to have shit to take. Yep. You had to have your shirts. You had to have cool shit. And then you had to show up and you had to, you had to make your, you had to make an entrance. I can remember going up to Billy's booth in 2003 or four, whatever it was. And there was leopard print fucking carpet on the floor and a leopard print <laughs> seat and this giant high heel pump and yeah. a neon sign. And I mean, it was just, it was like, fuck, this is the coolest thing. It was the coolest thing I had ever seen. And I had been drag i've been spinning my wheels wasting my money drag racing for so many fucking years yeah. and nobody had that kind of that flair that that they did and a flair is a, sounds like a horrible way to describe it but you'd and then you'd leave his booth and you'd go a little bit further down the road and you had jesse james had a 30 foot tall inflatable uh iron cross you know wow. and 10 bikes out there that were hundred thousand back then you know yeah. between 75 and hundred thousand dollar bikes so he had a million dollars worth of motorcycles sitting there and he couldn't he couldn't build them fast enough to sell them he was getting 30 dollars. i remember ordering a fucking west coast choppers t-shirt and waiting a month and a half to get it and it was 30 dollars. wow i couldn't i mean you know now I can get online right now on my phone and order a Dixon flannel and it'll be here in two and a half days. Yep. And it's Sunday night at eight o'clock. I've done it. Yeah. I've, I've been, you know, bored. I'm on Instagram. I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Buy one fucking boom. By Wednesday, it's in my mailbox. Yep. Right. Yeah. So now when I got into the business, you, the internet had just really started moving things along. You still had easy riders, hot bike, street chopper, um, the horse backstreet choppers, you had Ironworks, you had American Iron Horse, you had all these fucking magazines. And so there was all these, it, that all equated to being opportunities to get your bikes in the magazine, but you still had to go go to a show. So then it ended up being, the, everybody would just build a bike and you'd either build a bike that looked like Jesse, you'd build a bike that looked like Billy, you'd build a bike that looked like Exile, you build a bike that looked like Indian Larry, or you build a bike that looked like, um, oh, the Detroit Brothers, for instance. Yeah. Right? And then you'd get a T-shirt, and then you'd get a Dickies coat, and then you'd wear Dickies, and then you'd get some more Vans, and then you'd get, you know, or you'd wear Doc Martens, or you had to have, like, this image, and you had to show up with this image. You had to have the right wallet chain, the right wallet, the right swag, the right, you know. It was like this ah, fucking, it's, it, it was weird. When you look back on it, back then yeah. it was cool as shit. And everybody had to go to Daytona and everybody had to be on Main Street because if you weren't, you wouldn't get noticed. Sure. Right? And then no one, and you know, the guys that were buying my shirts either bought my shirt because it wasn't, you know, Billy would get $20 or $25 for a shirt or $30 for a shirt. I don't remember what it was. And I was getting half that. Yeah. Right. And they were like supporting somebody that was local or whatever. You know, we had to have a cool design and you had to understand the business part of it. Now there's cheat codes. It's like a goddamn video game. It's like uh, buying the latest uh, World of Warfare or whatever. I don't I don't play video games, I even, so I don't know what the fucking names are. Yeah. And so you go buy the game that you have the cheat codes for. Do you understand what I'm saying? And these guys are they're they're riding. And they're videotaping and they're insta blogging and they're video blogging and they're there's people out there that aren't that aren't in this fucking industry that are in this fucking industry. Yeah. And that fucking 
that kind of stuff pisses me pisses me off to a point where I I don't call them out on it because it's pointless. They're not going away. It's like the internet's not going away. Right. Right. It's not gonna. It's, you're not gonna revert it back. But it still pisses me. It. it I'm, I'm like, okay, these guys got fucking cheat codes. Dude, when I got into the business, I had to go around to other bike shops and ask to speak to the owner mm-hmm. and tell them what I was doing yep. and ask for their permission. I can tell you fucking hand to God, I can get him on the phone right now. I did that. Stevenson, if I got Steve on the on the phone right now, Steve Steve from Stevenson Cycle, Steve yep. Boyles, yep. senior, he will tell you, yes, Jason came in. And I went up to him and I said, you know, I, he knew who I was because yeah. my dad had some work done there several times. But I told him what I was going to do, where I was going to do it, that I wasn't trying to take anybody's customers or try to usurp anybody, yeah. but that I wanted his I wanted his blessing. And he gave it to me. So as soon as I had Steve's blessing, as long as I did exactly what I said I was going to do, Steve has backed me up 100% on everything I've ever done in this business. Steve has been the one that has championed for me anytime he could. Yep. And he's also been the one that when I fucked up, he called me. I was in church one Sunday morning, and he called me in church. I had to leave Mass, and he he chewed my ass out. I've been sitting on this couch right here in this room yeah. five or six years ago and got my ass chewed out by Steve Broyles. But you know what? I was sitting right here in this same room the morning my dad died, and he was the first motherfucker that called me. Mm. So I don't I don't marginalize that. There hasn't been anybody that has ever shown me that kind of respect. Wow. That's come up under me. They just don't do it. They fucking usurp you. They buy on fucking, they'll, they'll go by the wrong part three fucking times from somebody on, the, on a website. Yep. And have, they don't, they don't value this. They don't value, sure. they don't value looking somebody in the eye. They don't value ask, they don't understand the, the value of asking somebody a stupid fucking question. And having that person go, that is a stupid fucking question. Did you just ask me, that is the stupidest question I've ever fucking heard you ask. Now leave and come back with a better question. Yeah. And that's something that people, coming back with a better question, it, that is, there's a big lesson in that. You know, I don't, I, I judge people like when people come to work for me. Yep. If you're not asking, I judge you based on the questions you're asking me. Because there isn't anybody I've tried to hire people that know more than me. And I'm not saying I know more than everybody. What I'm saying is I know more than everybody that has ever walked through my fucking door to come work for me. I've had guys that were twice my age almost. This guy that I hired last summer, I won't say his name, but this. Oh, I will. No. No. (laughs) This, and because it's not, because it's it's like I could get in trouble. I know. Not in like, I could get in legal trouble. Relax. No, no, I'm telling you why I'm saying that. I'm qualifying why I'm (laughs) saying that. I'm not afraid of anybody, but that that guy could put me in legal trouble for slander. Um, But he had been an instructor at MMI. He had worked for Big Dog's factory. He had put over 10 years in at Big Dog. Yeah. He worked at Harley dealers. He worked at, I mean, this guy was somebody that had a pedigree on paper. Sure. And didn't know half he knew what he knew, but he didn't know anything that I knew. You understand right. what I'm saying? I do. And people have different areas of discipline. And I don't have a problem with that. I, I want to learn from somebody. But when you don't come to me and ask me questions, 
there's a problem. Yeah. There's a reason why I've been doing this this long, and there's a reason why I've made as many mistakes as I've had I have made, and I'm still here. There's that's what people don't understand. People think because you're in business for a long time, you're rich. People think you're in business for a long time, um, or they think if you go out of business real quick that it's a money thing. People go out of business because a they don't want to be in business, really. They don't really want to be in business. Right. They don't really want to be in business. And when right. anybody really wants to be in business, I don't try to talk them out of it, but I make sure that if that, that they hear exactly how bad it is sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes it's fantastic, but other times it's fucking terrifying. It is terrifying owning a business sometimes. It's true. And if it's not terrifying owning a business, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. That's true. You too. understand what I'm saying? Yes. I'm, I made the most money I ever made. Um, a few years ago in a 1500 square foot shop with me and half of another human being in there. Yeah. And I say that because half the year I had somebody there, the other half the year I didn't. Right. I made, I paid the most taxes I ever paid. And all I could tell myself was I got to get the fuck out of here because this is too small. I'm not doing enough. I'm not challenging myself enough. This is too easy. You, if you're not pushing yourself, you're not going to get, you know, no risk, no reward. You know what I mean? And so um, I went off on a pretty long tangent there. But, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I fucking hate it at the same time. You know? But I don't know how to do it any other way than how I'm doing it. That's the other thing. I I find myself in a a position of chastising myself for making poor, poor, poor choices. Yeah. Look, I can't do anything about yesterday. I can't do anything about five minutes ago. All I can do is make sure I don't do it again. And some poor choices that I make, I make on purpose repetitively because it's it's comfort food. It's it's uh it's familiar waters. I get it. I know how to navigate the waters of riding that razor's edge between success and failure. I've done it for a very long time. And if you're not using if you're not cruising on that edge every once in a while, you're using up too much of the road. Sure. You know what I mean? You're getting fat and lazy in your thought process. You're getting happy and content in your thought process. And the one thing I will tell people about wanting to run a business, whether it's a a motorcycle shop, a skateboard shop, a BMX shop, it's all the same. You do it. it, They're all identical. Yeah. Um, Because they all have the same pressure against them from the internet and from competition and things like that. Is it, you have to absolutely accept and learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. That is such a true statement. It really is. If you're if you have to have four hundred ninety three dollars and twenty eight cents in your checking account every Friday at five p.m., you can't be self employed. Right. It's never going to happen. Yeah. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen like that. It's never going to be four hundred and ninety four dollars and twenty eight cents in your account. What'll happen is. It'll be a varying different amount of money until you actually make it. Yeah. And then you never worry about that part of it again. Yep. Once you're not worried about $493.28, that means that you don't you, you don't have to worry about that number anymore. Right. You might have to worry, you know, the goal is to have to have enough success to where money relieves pressure, okay? Having money relieves pressure. I hate money. I hate money. I hate the idea of it. I hate what you have to do sometimes to get it. I hate what you lose when you don't have it sometimes. But it's the only currency that there has to be some sort of currency in this thing. And there has to be some sort of reward for this thing. And I don't want to have conversations with somebody outside of pleasantries 
and what we're doing right now with somebody who would would sacrifice um, opportunity for comfort. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't understand somebody who punches somebody else's clock. That's why my guys are all self-employed. They don't work for me. They work with me. And I will continue to do, I do not want to work with somebody who wants to make $15 an hour. If you only want to make $15 an hour, go get a job at a dealership. Right. If you want to make $20 an hour, go get a job at a dealership. I'm going to pay you more money than you have the ability to make at a dealership. There's more opportunity in my motorcycle shop. I would argue with anybody on the planet, any CEO of a Harley dealership. I pay my people more. I pay my people more because if they're paying them what they're paying, what if if a dealership is going to pay a guy what I'm willing to pay a guy, they're fucking them. Yeah. If you're paying a guy forty dollars an hour and you're bringing in a hundred and twenty dollars an hour for that work, you are fucking ripping somebody off. Yeah. I charge eighty dollars a labor hour. I give fifty percent of it to my guys. End of story. You want to make more money? Bill more hours. You want to raise? Bill more hours. Sure. A guy can come work for me if he bills out 40 hours a week. He's making $1,600 a week. Dude, I mean, it's simple yeah. fucking math, dude. Yeah. And if a guy's good and he's fast and doesn't have comebacks, yep. because I don't pay for comebacks, that comeback is on you, son. <clears throat> yeah. These guys, if they're billing out, if they bill out uh, 10 hours a day, in an eight-hour day, or they decide they want to work 10 hours. This is, let's say they're going one for one. Sure. And they're going to do a 10-hour day. So they're going to show up at the shop at 8 in the morning instead of 10, and they're going to work till 6, yep. which is doable. I don't I don't push anybody, nothing. I don't ever push my guys. Oh, I think Shannon does it quite a bit. Shannon works his yeah. ass off. Yeah. But if he wants to bill out 10 hours a day for five days a week, right? Yep. That math right there. That's 50 hours. That's $2,000 a week. That'll work. If you can't live off of 2000 that's $104,000 a year. My guys legitimately have an opportunity to make that kind of money. Yeah. We're wrenching for me. And, and they can't see the forest through the fucking trees because they have to make $493.28 because that's their fucking nut. Don't worry about your nut. Worry about yourself. Worry about getting those fucking bikes fixed. Yep. There's never been a time since I've been in business where there's been no work. I've never, I can honestly tell you since I've opened the doors, there's never not been, there's never been a day where there's no work. Right. And I have tried paying people hourly. I've tried paying people salary. I've tried paying, paying, paying people salary plus commission. I've tried paying people commission. When you worked for me, it was salary plus commission. Yep. You got this much just for showing up. It was three hundred a week. Three hundred a week, and it was a commission on annual services, tires, brakes. I think brakes were free. I didn't charge for brakes, or you didn't pay for. Brakes. No, we paid. We always paid on the menu stuff. Okay, so anyway, yeah, it was, and, and that was. And then you got a certain number of you got a certain number of dollars per work order. Yes. So if we build out as a team, everybody had their own deal. But like, um, I had a mechanic working for me that I tried all these different pay plans with. And uh, I went to him one time, and I'm like, "What do you What do you need to make? Like, what? Where's your like? I'm trying to figure this out, you know." And he's like, "I need to make five hundred and twenty five dollars a week." I was like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. He needed to make five twenty five, so I went back and I did. I just with him straight up. I did four hundred dollars a week plus five dollars a billable hour. Okay. So four hundred dollars a week, five dollars a billable hour. If he billed out 
20 hours, two times five is 10 plus $300 or $400 would have been $500, right? 10 hours a week. Yep. He had to bill out 10 hours a week. Yep. He billed out on an average. I, when I looked at it for over a, a course of about 90 days, he had averaged it out to where he made 525 a week. <laughs> and that's when I said, I'm not fucking doing this no more. Yeah. You fucking work for me. I'll, and then I, I've even paid people by the day. The last, the last guy that I had that I had to fire, um, well, not the last guy I had to fire, the guy before that that I fired, I paid him $125 a day. Okay. $125 a day this is what he got paid. He wanted to work four days a week. Okay. I told him I was cutting him back to three days a week. And he said, you fucking owe me. You fucking owe me. You owe me. We had a deal. It was I said, we had a deal at $125 a day, four days a week. Right. I don't have four days worth of work for you. Right. So I'm cutting you back to three days a week because I was doing more work. Right. I can do that if I want to. And he's like, you don't fucking understand as an employer, you legally blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hey, man, oh my. take your union mentality and go fuck, them, fuck yeah. yourself. Like, Bye. I'm not, I'm not, this is not the arrangement we have. Right. You're not an employee of mine. You tell me all the time how you're not my employee, that you're self-employed. And you get, you, we have, you're a contract kind of system. You're a, you're a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I have a guarantee. Right. It means if you come into work and work a full day, I pay you $125 day, $25 a day, and you wanted four days a week. If I don't have four days a week for you, then you're down to three days or two days or whatever. It's not my fucking problem. Right. You know, and now the way I pay my guys, I pay them every day. When, when something, well, not every day, but every day that they bill something out, when they bill something out and the customer picks the bike up, they get paid. Yeah. That's their incentive. Get it done, son. And you know what? Shannon made a pretty good penny last year for his first year as a business owner. Yeah. He did really well, you know? And he's taken on more responsibility as far as, like, learning how to do Harley-Davidson's and and all that stuff. And, dude, it is what it is, man. Uh, You know, going back to the business thing, yeah, I love it. I hate it at the same time. There's parts of it that I hate, but you could find, you know, if you wanted to look for it, you could find – you could find a pebble in a mattress in any situation. Sure. You know? So that was a tangent, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> I feel so much better. It's my fault I asked. Well, no, I'm, he asked a good question. I feel like I'm getting interviewed. It's actually kind of cool. You keep looking <laughs> at your phone, you got to go. No, I, I was, I got a phone call from someone, but I'll, <clears throat> I can call him back later. <laughs> was it Prince Albert? It was not. It was. I'm going to pre-program those buttons. Yeah. To put some of the other stuff in it. Yeah, and 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 you know you can record other things and that's what I want to figure out how to do. Yeah. Did you see Jeff G um posted uh his V2 and Visionary tour dates? I did. I took a screenshot of it. <clears throat> um I really really like his events. Uh, for some reason, I don't know, you know, they're not flashy or anything, but I think it's, I think it has a lot, has a lot to do with him as a person. I, I think he's a really cool guy. Um, and his events have been fun. So the first one I went to was the, um, the FXR show with you and Cody. Right. And that was the Sturgis, uh, 2019. And then I went to the V twin visionary show at, uh, Smoky Mountain Harley Davidson, uh, in Maryville, Tennessee. And <clears throat> I actually got to talk to Jeff 
a little more uh, uh, on a one to one basis. Correct at the yeah. Tennessee show because it was a much smaller event. Um, but I am excited that they're doing the same thing at the same dealership this year. Uh, I plan on going. So anyway, what I was saying is I took a screenshot of the tour dates because it's my hope that this year, uh, when I finish this bike that you and I are doing right now, I hope to go to as many of his events as I can because I, I just enjoy being around him and, and his crew. He has a fantastic crew. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to them. but you No. Know, the, the shirt. I, well, I know Maggie. Yeah, Maggie's a sweetheart. But, uh, but yeah, I like, I like being involved with what he's doing. And uh, I, was, I just found out that he's got a – um he's partnered up with harley davidson to do uh some shows and events uh i think the first one is coming up here in just a few weeks daytona bike week uh i guess harley davidson is sponsoring him and his crew to do the v-twin visionary show uh somewhere out there and uh they're gonna have uh, several different classes and awards uh for you know baggers soft tail sportsters you know yeah that's on march 11th so he's he's got best of show best bagger best m8 soft tail best soft tail best dyna best fxr best sportster best chopper best motor and best paint so So that's a lot of stuff it is that'll be a fun event i I hope uh i hope that it's gonna be at the skate park too it's not gonna be at the dealership right isn't that odd though that harley davidson is sponsoring it but they're putting it somewhere else. well it's not ross myers is doing it. it's actually the factory oh, okay gotcha so here's the thing I, I you know what i really like is uh, jeff gets a lot of shit from a lot of people and i don't think people realize um i don't think all the people that give him shit realize how many people contact him for free shit for or, free free not shit? free shit well free shit but i mean it, not like tangible necessarily even it's um He's, he's, I'm glad that the factory has to take, that they have to take note of him. I'm glad that Indian has taken note of him. Yeah. Because, uh, there's no, mag, there's, you know, besides Chris Callen, nobody's producing a, uh, a custom motorcycle magazine anymore. So it's gone digital. And I'm glad that Jeff, you know, Jeff may not be glad, but I'm glad that he got booted from Hot Bike when he did because it forced him to do this. And, I would never, I don't wish any of my friends um, to lose their job. But I do think it's good for people to get kicked out. I got kicked out of the nest. I mean, yeah. people don't know how I how I came about getting into actually making that jump because uh, it's scary. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, I was selling car. Well, I wasn't selling cars anymore. I was a, I was the. Um, you were a buyer of types, yeah? Well, no, I was the second. Uh, New car sales manager. So there was the general sales manager. Well, see, I worked for the dealership that I had, that I worked for, the last dealership I worked for, had kind of a weird um, hierarchy. The The owner had been burned and was real sensitive to titles for whatever reason. He was a really, actually a very good and very fair car dealer. Uh, but there was a... There was a sales manager, and then there was two assistant sales managers. There was myself, and there was another guy named Rick. And my specialty was not desking deals, although I can desk a deal. I know what it, I know how to work a deal. I know how to work a customer. I know how to work financing. I know how to do all that shit. But um, my specialty, I had created a niche for myself through inventory control, and I was really one of the only people in Detroit that had the skill set that I had because I was mentored by somebody who knew how to manipulate 
the ordering system inside Ford Motor Company. So I was able to usurp a lot of um, a lot of things that happened inside Ford Motor Company. I got in trouble for it a lot, and my dealer just told me to keep keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> but uh, I could I could go and fuck with their system and hey, are we making money? Keep doing it exactly. So. Um, but I was looking to take on more responsibility. They weren't willing to give me more responsibility. I ended up writing a computer program. Uh, again, I couldn't do this if you had a gun to my head right now. Uh, but I ended up writing a computer program that, um, using another program. So it wasn't really a, a whole computer program. I, I used a computer program to build a template that all I had to do was put in how many cars I had to order, what the commodities were for that week. And it would populate what I needed to order very quickly, and I could enter that stuff so fast. I just had a system that worked, and I made my job look easy, and it made it look like, hey, we can we can eliminate. I was on pace to make like eighty three or eighty four thousand dollars that year, and they thought, well, we'll just free that eighty four eighty five thousand dollars up and give it to two different people or three different people, and uh, we won't need him. And so I went into work one day and. Uh, to be fair, I was I had motorcycles on the brain all the time, and so when I wasn't actually working a deal for a customer with a salesman or ordering cars, I was fucking around on the internet. And this is pre iPhone, so I was actually doing it on the work computer. And yeah, so they used that as the uh, the that's the, those were the auspices in which they terminated my you know terminated my employment. What they did was they called me in. Uh, to the office, um, informed me that I was going to be demoted from uh, assistant new car sales manager down to uh, internet sales. And uh, I said, okay, anything else? And they said, no. And I got up and went and got a box from parts. And that's a that's a euphemism or a metaphor used in the car business. Like go to, you know, make sure you stop by parts and get yourself a box so you yeah. can put your shit in it. Yeah. Well, so I did that and... Uh, he was like, look, finish out this week, get your business done, and then Monday you're going to be in internet sales. So I went to parts, got a box, came back, started packing my stuff up, and he comes over to my office. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm leaving. He goes, what do you mean you're leaving? I said, I'm, fucking, I'm not going fucking backwards, man. Mm-hmm. I have fucking put in too many years in this fucking horrible fucking industry, treated like shit by fucking a guy that I worked for before that. Yeah. I said, I'm not, I'm not, fuck, I'm tired of making other fucking people money. Sure. Fuck off, basically. You know, and I said, I'm not doing it anymore. You guys can, and I did. I, I actually physically flipped him the bird. I said, you can tell Bill to go fuck himself. And I fucking walked out of there. <laughs> and I never, I swear to God, I did. I believe it. I was like, you know what? I went home and Karen's like, what are you doing home? And I told her, I said, I got fired. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I decided then, like I decided before that, that I'm not going to be anyone's fucking bitch. Yeah. You know, I was treated like shit at several different employers and I was not going to, I wasn't having it. I was never going to let somebody treat, make me feel like that again. And I haven't. These microphone stands do not want to work the way we're doing this. But uh, anyway, that was, that was it. So I don't know how we got on that subject, but. Again, I mean, we were talking about uh, Jeff Holt losing. Oh, Jeff Holt losing his job. Right. So me losing my job was probably the best thing that ever happened. And I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to Jeff. Oh, I believe that. I believe it catapulted you both into being, you know, the, the, the guys you are today. And people, you know, people don't realize when they ask Jeff for something, he doesn't want to tell them no. Yeah. That's Jeff's problem. 
I'll say that on this. Sorry. I'll take that. I'll take that out and post. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this microphone stand doesn't want to work. Just so you know, we can hear. I know that I'm going to publish this, and I'm not going to sit around for eight hours editing all this bullshit out. You're just going to have to deal with a little bit of extra noise if you're listening to this podcast on, on Spotify or whatever. But Cameron and I are... Uh, it's Sunday afternoon. Cameron and I have spent the whole weekend hanging out and doing shit. He comes over here from Jacksonville just about every weekend to hang while we're building this dirty tale that we haven't even started talking about yet on this. And so I have all this new podcast equipment, and rather than sit over at the shop on a Sunday afternoon, we're sitting in my living room watching my dogs, my dags. But anyway, Jeff, that's Jeff's problem is he doesn't want to tell anybody no, you know? Yeah. It's not just him. I think a lot of guys are that way. No, oh. it, it's it, it's an awkward awkward position. But I guess I don't really understand. Are, are when you say that people are asking for free shit, are, are you saying like to advertise for them to do a little video clip? I don't even know how Jeff does that. So how, here's I, how I would, that I can tell would, you how that works. I would hope that he charges for that. He does. So here okay. here's what happens if you send um, if you send okay. So there's. There's, Jeff gets things come at him from from all different ways, yeah. and so I'm just going to tell you what I know of it, and Jeff can hear this if he listens and correct me if I'm wrong. But so he has manufacturers of parts that come to him, sure, because he's got an audience. He's got seventy one thousand organic followers, I believe, on on between his two pages. I'm looking it up. So if you have if you if you manufacture a part, you want some you you need somewhere to put it now you can't put it on a fucking in a magazine hardly unless you go to Chris and Heather at, at Cycle Source then there's people who want him to do events and appearances and then there's people who want him to just repost their post and there's people that want him to um, get him a contact inside another company and that's i mean that's leveraging Jeff's work if you ask Jeff if you say hey, Jeff i need to get a hold of somebody at uh Pick a company, you know, Harley Davidson, uh, because I want them to get involved in this. Well, that's leveraging Jeff's work. Sure. Right? I mean, that's not asking Jeff. Um, you know, we hired him uh, for the Wheels of Steel this year, and, you know, we came up with a deal that's equitable for us, equitable for him. He's given us the the correct, you know, um, promotional stuff using utilizing his social media followers, and he's going to be there, and we're going to – and. I hired him because I know he knows what he's doing. I believe in I, you know, absolutely. I believe in Jeff. Jeff Holt. Jeff has always been kind to me, but the thing is, is there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And so what happened to Jeff was, the last two years he was at Hot Bike. Hot Bike is owned by a, a billion dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. Now they have this intellectual property that they own called Hot Bike and Street Chopper. Jeff did all of the heavy lifting for that for the last two years he was there. He had people that worked with him, people that worked for him, that he couldn't pay what probably what they were worth or how much work they were doing. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a magazine like that, let's just say that those magazines are 50 pages, okay? Yep. Let's say there's on the e, on the on the short side, there's a hundred different manufacturers out there, okay? Because yep. it's easy to do this math. Sure. And let's say half of those people have new product coming out over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. There's 52 weeks, so that means there's 52 products. Yep. Well, so 
if you parse that out over that's six new products in every issue yep. that Jeff has to take photos of, he has to write a review, he has to get your information, da da da. And that's the free part, right? Yeah. And Jeff has to do a good job of that because he, what pays his salary is magazine subscriptions and selling advertising in the back of the magazine. Sure. So if he doesn't do a good job for the review, right? If he doesn't take pictures that you like, doesn't put the right information in there that you like, are you how 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 uh, how excited are you going to be to write Hot Bike Magazine a check? Right. To advertise your shit. So he was put in a. I think he was put in a pretty terrible place for a very long time by a bunch of people that didn't give a shit about motorcycles or motorcycle people or performance baggers or any of it. Yeah. You know, and, and Jeff Jeff got all the fallout from that. Every bit of fallout that came through from that came through through Jeff. And he'll, he'll tell you straight up. I mean, you know, he got punched in the fucking face over it. Some dude knocked him out cold. A shop owner. Yeah, there was a shop owner in California that fucking punched him in the face. Wow. And half the people that heard that story were like, well, he fucking deserved it. Fucking da 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 And I'm like, I don't know if he did or didn't. Yeah. But all I know is that he got punched in the face over it, right? I don't want to get punched in the face. No. And so Jeff's problem was that he was too nice of a guy and put himself out there. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jeff took the, Jeff gets, and then he gets blamed by, by a hot bike for the magazine failing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jeff's a good dude. Yeah, I agree. He's a smart guy. Yeah. You don't come from a background like he came from and, uh, and not, not fucking uh, not be smart, not be intelligent, not be cognizant of your surroundings, not be in tune with what's going on in the industry. And to be, to be fair, as far as West Coast editors, mm-hmm. um, he's as good as anybody ever was. You know, I know Howard Kelly. Howard Kelly was a hot bike before, uh, before Jeff was the editor. There was a guy named Eric Ellis who yeah. actually hired me at Hot Bike, and then um, – he hired me. We were at the V Twin uh, Expo in Cincinnati in 2012. I want to say he hired me there, and then when I got back, uh, got back home, he got fired like two weeks later, <laughs> something like that. And then yeah. Jeff, and then Jeff took over, and I didn't meet Jeff. I didn't meet Jeff until 2016, and Jeff has been nothing but kind to me. But um, I think a lot of people mis misinterpret like what kind of what do you expect from a guy like that, right? You know what I mean? I mean, that guy still gets up and fucking has to take his daughter to school and do all the normal shit that all of us do. Plus, on top of that, he's got to be, he's answering for this and he's got a tra- he's got a wicked travel schedule. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's all over the place. Yeah. And he's responsible for something everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Jeff's not going to Sturgis to go to Sturgis. Right. Jeff's going to Sturgis because he's got a show on Monday and he has to be at a different show on Tuesday because he needs content for the V2 and Visionary page. Right. So when you, when you really, really, really break it down and get down to the to what's going on, and anybody that's that is, uh, first off, if if you're mad at Jeff and you don't know him personally, then I would say I would encourage you to get to know him personally. Sure. Right. Yeah. And if you know him personally and you're mad at him about something, you need to go talk to him about it. Yeah. Because he does not like people being pissed off at him. I can tell you that right now. He's got, he's got a good heart. And if you're pissed off at Jeff Holt, 
there's pro- you're probably part of the problem too. You know what I mean? Your <laughs> yeah. expectations weren't in line with with either a reality. I mean, look, dude, I'll give you a good example, and it, it involves hot bike. In 2004, uh, the industry was as strong as it ever was. It was way stronger than it is now mm-hmm. in comparison, even though it might, you know, the industry might do more money, gross dollars, sales, or whatever now. But back in 2004, the industry was massive, just massive. And so I guess this might be 2005, same difference, though. It was before the crash. Um, there were some guys from Hot Bike that came to Detroit. The business was so big that to sell magazine ads, they would drive around the country and just go to bike shop tours. Really? And they came in, and they were trying to sell me. And I don't know if this is a credit to JR Cycle Works or if this is just a credit to how good of a salesperson people are or if this is a credit to what a buffoon I am. But they wanted to sell us the inside back cover of Hot Bike based off of what they saw in our shop. And, they, you know, this is they could have been honey dicking me. But I remember thinking to them, I'm like, and telling the guy, I'm like, I can't, not only can I not afford the inside front or the inside cover of Hot Bike magazine, I couldn't handle the amount of work that would come from having the inside front cover of Hot Bike Magazine. I mean, back then, if you had if you had enough money, people like Jesse bought the inside back cover. Yeah. And Russell bought the inside back cover. Go get a hot, go get a horse magazine, and there's probably a, a six or eight year period where there was a full page exile ad in the horse magazine every month. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, we, so the reason I'm saying that is if, you ask him to do something that is outside the scope of what he can do, it's it's your fault too. Right. I mean, yeah, it's his fault for saying yes. He bears some of the responsibility. But don't ask a fish to climb a fucking tree. Yeah. They can't do it. You know what I mean? So you gotta be realistic with your expectations too if you're gonna work with somebody like Jeff. You know, you gotta you gotta ask questions. It's it goes back to the qualifying questions thing. Don't just assume because you build a really nice bike. And you took really good pictures and you filled out the text sheet and you even wrote the article maybe that it that it's going in hot bike. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's and if Jeff tells you, you know what, take good pictures, fill out the text sheet, you know, write write a, a thousand word essay or whatever it is to uh for the for the feature and I'll put it in. And he loses his fucking job before it gets put in because they shut the fucking magazine down or they know they're going to shut the magazine down. That's not Jeff's fault, dude. Sorry. Right. Because he's not going to tell you fuck. He's never going, a a good editor is, is I don't believe if you come up to him and go, how would you feel? The same guy that got, that gets mad at Jeff for not running his bike when he was at hot bike is the same guy that would get mad that if Jeff said, "Ah, you know what, man, I can't run that. Why not? Well, it's, because it's not the quality, because it's not, the, you know. Sure. Look, man, send, they're, they're, they're editors. They're content creators. What they're really good at is knowing their audience. Right. So when you think about if Jeff, Jeff can't get into a situation where I don't have feature bikes to run, that's not a good position for an editor to be in. Right. He should be going through and categorizing, well, this bike, okay, this bike, right now I'm kind of wearing this Dyna FXR phase with panel paint jobs. This one over here that's all solid color. It's a nice bike, 
but I'm not going to run it right now. I'm going to put that over here. Sure. When solid color bikes come back around or we decide we want to set that trend, then we'll put it over here. Right. The person that, that I'm talking about, I don't know any of the particulars. I really don't. Okay. Everything that I know is I know from Jeff telling me that he got punched, but the guy that did it was mad that he didn't run, you know, and then there was all this online bullshit of, yeah, it's a pay to play. It's a pay to play. Well, no shit. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're, you're a fucking capitalist business owner and you're mad that you're not getting a free fucking article, a four page article feature in a fucking magazine that goes all the way around the world. Yep. Come on, man. You know, everybody knows that everybody knows that if you put your, if you paid to advertise your bike in easy rider, you, you paid to advertise your company or your shop in easy rider, you would get, you would get some fucking features. Now, does that mean that everybody that was featured in easy rider had to fucking buy an ad? Nope. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you were paying to have your bike in easy rider. Yep. Okay. Follow me down this wormhole. I got it. If you're paying to have your shop featured in Easy Rider and your shop builds nice bikes, well, then why wouldn't Easy Rider run your bike? Not only do they already are they already familiar with you, but they're already looking into what you're doing because they want to make sure they're not selling, they're not advertising somebody who's a dick bag. Right. You know, go look in the back of Easy Rider. There was very few companies that were shitty companies doing shitty business. You know, that were they're in there, and if they were, they're out of business. Hmm. You understand what I'm trying to say? I do. So to be mad at Jeff because something didn't run, you know, people tell me that, you know, every once in a while I hear somebody rumble and grumble about Jeff G. Holt. And it's like, wait a minute. I don't think, uh, I don't think you understand. There's an, there's a cause and effect for that. And he's a content creator. So he needs content. Yeah. So send him content. So to get back to what you had originally asked, what he's doing now is send him a part. He'll do a feature on it. Okay, he'll just do a video. Yeah, we got sent here, da 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 da. Speed metal, like I could send him a pair of socks. Yeah, speed metal belt sent me a pair of socks. Hey man, you gotta want to, you know, da 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 da. They look like some nice socks. They're American made, nice label, yada yada yada. Yeah. If you want him to put them on his feet and ride five hundred miles, that costs money. Yeah. Because he's out of the office, it's gas, it's insurance, it's mileage, it's wear and tear on his body, it's wear and tear, and you might build a shitty fucking part that costs him money. A thousand miles, or you know, two hundred and fifty of the five hundred miles away. Agreed. But if you pay him, he'll come back with a fucking legitimate review, and be be ready for a legitimate review. Yeah. Because if you're selling them, if you're sending them shit parts, even if your check cashes, if you're selling them shit parts, he better fucking report it correctly. Yeah. Because if he doesn't report it correctly, and five hundred people buy him, and five hundred people fucking tell Jeff, "Hey man, mine fell apart," and Jeff goes, "Mine did too," then Jeff looks like a fucking asshole. Agreed. So. Think about that for a second before, you know, before you start trying to figure out, you know, fuck, dude, dude's making a killing fucking, first off, he's not making a killing. Right. Okay. Jeff G for, for, I've talked to him. I've, I've called, I've been, I have this thing where I forget that I'm three hours ahead of everybody in California. <laughs> I've called him and woke him up in the morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the dude's. And I've called him. I've called him and not woke him up. I've called him at nine o'clock in the morning, which is six o'clock their time, and he's already up and at him doing shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just because he's having a life that he posts on social media, you know, the guy's worked hard for what he has. And he's eating a lot of shit, and he's I don't doubt you know, it at all. you know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, it, it, I just I'm not I'm not defending I'm not defending him only because he's my friend. I'm defending him because 
He's one of the only content creators, and he's got a unique way of doing it. The V-Twin Visionary thing is a real deal. And it's and it if it looks clunky, well, it's because he's only two years into it. Yeah. Two years ago to almost to the day is when he got fucking the boot with no notice. And I think it did go on for a year after Jeff, now that I'm thinking about it. There was a Jordan, a dude named Jordan that was doing it that we ran into at uh at the V Twin show two years ago. But be that as it may, what what's done is done. Um, V2 and Visionary is, is, I think, the future of, of setting the sta- standard for media and setting the standard for shows like that. And uh, I think Jeff's on the on the cusp of something pretty substantive. I, I agree. I think he's the leader of that new era. And uh, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow. When he ushered out the last era, too. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a dick, but no one's going to remember that Jordan was right. the, the editor of Hot Bike. Right. They're going to remember that Jeff G was. And I don't think people remember. There's two editors I remember from Hot Bike, and I'll always consider Hot Bike. If you say Hot Bike to me, I think of Jeff G. Holt, and I think of Howard Kelly. I don't know. you know, And, and there was other guys in there. Yeah. You know, but Jeff put in the time, and Jeff, you know, you, go talk to um, Chip and Mikey from San Diego Customs. They give Jeff a lot of credit for the, not their success, but the success of the Dyna FXR and getting theirs out there further than what they were. Yeah. I mean, us older guys, I think Chip and Mikey and I are around the same age. I don't know if they've been doing it. They've probably been doing it a little bit longer than me. Maybe, I don't know. But, uh, and they're doing it at a different level than I'm doing it at. But they're, um, those guys give Jeff some shine. And I don't think they're, they're not required to. No one's required to. I'm not required to. I'm just speaking on it because I think that what he's doing is good. I mean, he's coming to our show, the Wheels of Steel show, this June 13th and 14th at the RP Funding Center in beautiful downtown Lakeland, Florida. (laughs) Get your tickets online at www.cfwheelsofsteel.com. Two-day tickets are only $20 for two-day pass. It's $25 to show your bike. Plenty of vendors. Wow. I'm looking forward to that show this year. I, I, I want to. I'll tell you this: whoever came, man, I'm about to sound fat. Whoever came last year and was doing those barbecue nachos were fan fucking tastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that was, but, but they were good at the Wheels of Steel show. Yes, that was the that was the the funding center. That was their 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 in house catering. Oh, really? Yeah. So they'll be oh, back. Yeah. We got the bigger room though. Now we got room for semis and stuff. We're trying to get that room full. I don't have room for my semi. Oh, uh, we have. Oh God, we do have um, we have we have Geico Insurance. They're our pre, uh, they're our, our you know our title sponsor. Yep. Um, we're working with a couple other companies. Uh, we've got a pretty. I'm hoping to be able to announce uh, some pretty fantastic things. We are. I will tell you, we're giving away uh, three motorcycles this year. Wow! So we're giving away three three Harley Davidson motorcycles. Um, and we're doing Jeff G. Holt's going to be there for the balance of the weekend as the MC and uh, kind of the driving force behind the, the entertainment piece of that. Um, who else? Oh, Nams and Badlander signed on. They're they're an official sponsor. So okay. uh, special thanks to my buddy Jeff Z from Nams, Badlander, and Electric uh, Lighting. And uh, nice little plug there for it. But we've got to start start getting that show getting that show going. We do. It's uh, June, yeah. Yes, June, it yeah. is. 
June 13th and 14th at the RP Funding Center in downtown Lakeland, Florida. Just about 45-minute drive from Walt Disney World, about an hour from the Orlando Airport, 45 minutes from the Tampa Airport. Go to Priceline.com and <laughs> get your tickets. You can fly, fly anywhere through Spirit Airways, wow. the cattle car in the sky. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors today. I'm trying to get some sponsors, man. I got a couple of people I've reached out to. Um, I did get a confirmation today via text that uh, Badlands, um, NAMS Lighting, and Electric are all kind of one conglomerate company, and they're going to sponsor the podcast. They're going to be our first official podcast sponsor, so I'll get that worked out. But I'm talking with a couple, a couple other companies, too, that I want to do. I want, And I'm trying to think of people outside of um, the norm, you know? Yeah. I mean, I want to I want to give my industry friends some some opportunities, but uh, the cool part about it is if these these podcasts once they go on the internet, they're kind of there forever, right? Yeah. And so, if you have an advertisement that we do in a podcast, that lives on in perpetuity as well. So that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what I, I heard you, you go. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I gotta tell you something. What? I got a pee pee. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. We can wrap this up. It's been an hour and it's an hour and forty nine minutes and thirty five seconds right now. As I yeah. said that, yep. but um, if we can wait another twenty seconds, then we can wrap this thing up. Absolutely, absolutely. You got to drive to Jacksonville tonight <clears throat> to yeah. see your lovely wife. Are it's we already six o'clock? I don't care about. I mean, I don't care about the drive or how late I have to leave. Uh, have we, um, do we know, are we getting Cody Childers back at the Wheels of Steel show this year or no? Yeah, I can tell you that he uh, he is involved with the Wheels of Steel this year. Okay. Cody, Cody is involved and I've got to wait. Uh, I have to wait one week before I can announce the other, the, the, the guest builders that are coming. But I've got a confirmation. I've got builders coming from as far away as Connecticut. I so we're doing something interesting. Um, I want to know who it is right now. The builder? Yeah. Which one? Whoever you just said you have to wait a week to tell me. It's uh I don't want to spoil it. And here's okay. why I don't want to spoil it, because I don't want to step on my dick if I if he if we can't make it. I have a verbal confirmation from him in through several emails, but we've got to do a couple things on our end before we can actually guarantee yeah. it. But, I got you. Okay. But we're doing a pro what we're we're doing a little bit different. We're doing a couple different things. Yep. The big thing that we're doing that's going to involve this other builder, I can't announce just yet because of the situation. Uh, there's some contractual things that are not ironed out until we sign contracts. We're not we're not going to say who it is, but we're doing a pro builder dais, and what the pro builder dais is um, is I'm going to invite 20 builders. Mm -hmm. Okay, and of those 20 builders, I expect probably 10 of them to be able to make it. Okay. They're going to be in our contract. They sign a contract agreeing to appear with uh, at least one custom motorcycle for the Pro Builder Dais. And in return for doing that, mm -hmm. they're gifted a 10 by 10 spot that they can sell their merchandise, okay. their personal merchandise. Now, uh, that's not a vendor spot. The vendor spot would be somebody that sets up and wants to sell merchandise that's not their merchandise. Sure. But so I'm, I'm looking for... I'm looking for a, to a number of builders. I'm looking for 20 total. I've got guys that are confirmed. Brian Butera from Butera's Metalworks. Um, Toast, Toast Brothers, T-O-C-E. 
they're from up in Connecticut. I'll I'll find their their information here because they reached out to me after the Loretta Lynn's. Uh, they're going to be there. Um, is that was was that the crew doing the sweet exhaust on the FTR Indians? Yeah, cool. That it's that cool. kid. Okay. It was a kid that we talked to that was doing that. Yeah, cool. So he's going to be here. Um, I've got. Uh, I'll tell you who I invited. Um, I don't know if that again. I'm inviting twenty, expecting ten. Eric from F and A Cycles, uh, my my older brother in this business, uh, Mr. Bill Dodge from Bling Cycle. Um, we're inviting Frank and Bowman Motor- Frankie Bowman Motorcycles from Tampa is invited. Um, we've got uh, I'm trying to get this gentleman's name from, uh, you know, of course Cody uh, Xavier Muriel from Pro- Providence Cycle Works. Yep. Um, invited. Uh, did I say Taco? No. Taco from Tacos Customs over in New Smyrna. I think he's in New Smyrna or he's in Deltona. Uh, let's see here. Who else? Do, 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 do. I've got a I've got a list here um, of people that are on my short list. Uh, Kyle Ray Rice. That dude's a ruler. Uh, I'm going to invite, uh, he doesn't know it yet, but uh, Corey Souza. I'll talk to him. Um, he's going to be on the podcast this week, actually. Well, listen, I'm really glad we did this. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, and thanks again for letting me talk about my current build and getting that word out there. I appreciate that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to the restroom. <laughs> Cam is building a dirty tail. No. You can find it. Follow follow Cameron at nothingstockcam on Instagram. He's He's got some funny shit on there, so you need to follow him. Make sure you follow... Uh, make sure you follow me at Speed Metal Built. Make sure you follow my friend's... Uh, Nothing stock cam. Follow V Twin Visionary if you're not already following him. Follow Nam's Lighting. Uh, make sure you're following Full Bore Clean. Uh, let's see who else can I throw some throw some shine at real quick. Um, my boy Brian Clem at Clem's Bean Shop. And if you guys want any vapor blasting, hit me up on the, on the Insta so I can get some so I can get get that machine that I just paid all that money for paid for. Oh, Bare Knuckle Paul. You need to follow Bare Knuckle Paul also. So, Yo, check out Bare Knuckle's new risers. They're fucking dope. The, the Flex Riser? Yeah. They're cool. <laughs> Eric won a pair at uh, at that St. Louis show. Yeah. Which we're going to go to that St. Louis show next year. So, Good. All right, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's wrap it up. Bye. Oh, <laughs> bye. <laughs>